This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mythos Ragnarok. Mythos Ragnarok is the debut show from the Mythological Theatre, which is a production company of Ed Gamestop, and we all love Ed Gamestop, don't we? It tells the story of the Nordic gods rise to power, from fighting giants in the nothingness of Gnungaga to their final great battle against the rival clans at each other. Unlike wimpy stage fighting, where actors don't even hit each other, Mythos is performed by trained professional wrestlers who beat the crap out of each other. And it's bloody insane. The next show is the 10th of April in London. Pre-sale tickets have already sold out, but fear not, you can sign up for the next ticket release on Ed's website. Ed has also put together an amazing offer exclusive for listeners of the podcast. So head over to www.edgamestore.co.uk forward slash NMP and you'll be able to sign up for the next ticket release and save a massive 10%. Seriously, I'm lucky enough to have seen the show and if you can grab a ticket and support Ed, you will not be disappointed. That's once again www.edgamestore.co.uk forward slash NMP sign up and save 10%. Right, let's jump into the show. Shall we do the intro? I've seen Usher's Found Pride of Place behind me. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Usher is now watching. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right in presuming that today it, it, you are the, the guest, right, Daniel? That's the whole thing. That's how we're gonna try it and see, it's cool. see what happens. I like You're it. me. So please, 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 please attempt to uh, do a Dan accent when you do the intro. Okay, that's what I'm that's okay. All right. Okay. We're going straight into uh, so it. Did, you... uh, let's go. Let's go straight into it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a theme. <laughs> okay. 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 A little bit. Hello and welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. My name is Daniel Farrant. And today we have a very special guest, namely me. And uh, I've enlisted Jonas Lawrenson to do the do to do my voice for me today because we can't have a Nordic mythology podcast without Daniel Farron, that's the co-host. So le- he doesn't really know how to do it, so he's kind of just doing a generic northern accent with a bit of Sean Bean, Tyson Fury. And of course, the fan favorite John Snow mixed in there, <laughs> and with a bit of hoarseness for a dramatic effect. Uh, but today, the guest of the show is me, and so for sentimental effect and to relieve him of his fatherly duties, I am again joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordrig, who is going to introduce the guest. <laughs> well, today we're joined by Daniel Ferrand, the co-owner <laughs> <laughs> of the company. Of- <laughs> the horns of Odin. Uh, welcome to the show, Dan, and also, of course, co-host of this podcast when he's not the guest. Um, yeah, welcome to the show, man. I mean, you'd think that we just couldn't get a guest for this week, wouldn't you? <laughs> sound <laughs> like don't... it, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thank you very much for having me. I guess. <laughs> thank you for joining us, <laughs> and and thank you for um, 
And thank you for inviting me as co-host. It's the first time I've ever done that. So it's going to be fun. I, I know. I mean, you, you make so many appearances kind of on the, the Patreon side of things now that we have to get you on the, on the main show as well, more. I feel, I feel, I feel honored. Yeah, no, we, we, we will do one when um, the Nepala video is out. Uh, I can break now, unfortunately, and these things just happen every once in a while. We were supposed to have released the Nepala video on the 1st of April, but due to something with the production house, blah, 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 we have to move the whole thing one month. So it's going, the first video is going to be out uh, the 29th of April. So I'll join you guys afterwards. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Looking forward to that. I suppose the first question that that's, uh, you know, on everybody's mind is, uh, I mean, you were a plumber, right? Back <laughs> yeah. Back in the day. Well, like a gas engineer, if I want to sound um, special. Ooh, HVAC. That just means that I, I, I went a little bit further to get my gas qualifications. Ooh. Cool. And then... Why horns? Because I suppose you started with the horns. Well, is that a good place to start, Matthias? Or should we go like, why did you get interested? <laughs> Even in... further back. No, no, no. I think starting with the horns story, because you've alluded to that one a couple of times already, um, how you got into to, to doing drinking horns. So, so I wanna I wanna hear that. Like I want. I think that's a great place to start. Why did you end up doing selling drinking horns? Uh, I mean, how long have we got? Um, that one's that one's completely Sarah's fault, I think. Um, so what? So we, I'm gonna I'm gonna expose myself during this episode. So, so I am one of those people that got brought into this community from the Vikings TV show, and that's the reality of it. Um, because we we used to to watch it when he first came out and got really interested. And, it, and then Sarah bought me tickets for my birthday to go to the Jorvik Viking Festival. Um, and when we were walking around, there was a bunch of horns. And obviously, you know, I'm a, I'm a lad and I wanted a drinking horn. But they were all really expensive. I was only quite young at the time and wasn't making that much as a plumber, I guess. Um, and they were all quite expensive. So there was one place at the end of the day that had these, these horns and they were quite cheap. But I didn't know why. But I, so I bought it and got it home and then tried to drink out of it and it just tasted like absolute shit. It was horrible. Um, and clearly it was just a, a raw horn. It hadn't really been finished on the outside. They hadn't done anything on the inside. It's really quite bad that they sold me this fucking raw horn that hadn't been treated in any way. And I just took it as a drinking on. And they, did I it mean, taste they, like goat then? I mean, did it get like... It was, I mean, yeah, it wasn't nice. Because obviously it, it's, filled, <laughs> it's filled with um, like a marrow. So they just, yeah, it just, and however long they've been sat there as well. But I mean, they, the people knew what they were doing. They might not have said, oh, it's a drinking horn, but they know, they know why I'm buying it, I guess. And um, so, yeah, so I had that. And I'm just one of these people that when I, when I do something, I have to kind of go 100%. So I started researching how to make drinking horns. How does it work? What do you do? Um, so I, I kind of, did that carved carved it all with a with a dremel that my dad lent me and then i i contacted a silversmith and had to make some metal bands for it and finish um what i what i originally did with that one was i cured it with guinness i just cleaned it and then left it 
sat with Guinness and a heavy stout would soak up into the, the fibres of the horn and kind of gives it a, a curing. Um, I wouldn't sell them necessarily like that because I don't know how safe that is. Like we use a, a food-grade beeswax now, but obviously for myself, I think it's it's all right. It's always been okay. And then I, I just took a picture of it and a friend wanted one. So I made him one. And then another friend of mine, one of my really good friends, was like, look, these are, these are good. You should make a – just try sell them. So I made an Etsy, an Etsy page and put a couple of listings on there. And people just kept buying it. Because even then, I didn't have any finished ones. They were, I just took pictures of mine and were like, look, I made this cool thing. I, I can make you one if you give me, like, a design or an idea that you like. And I just kind of draw it up and send them pictures. And people just kept buying them. Um, so I, the garage we had at home, we just, I kind of turned into a part garage half workshop at the time. It had all our stuff in and a little desk in the middle. And I'd go in there when I finished my plumbing duties for the day and carve some horns and, and sand them. And it was, I mean, looking back now, it was ridiculous. because just the amount of dust that I just didn't, didn't even think about. <laughs> yeah. You, I didn't think I would like, I, because I was trying to always make everything faster and, and better, you know, work, work smarter, not harder. So I'd like buy a, buy a, a pillar drill and put a little sanding wheel on it and use that to sand it. But then obviously that just creates so much dust. I mean, so you're literally, you're literally Daniel, the bone full, because you've been literally just like sniffing oh, and breathing probably. bone dust for like Pro- years. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't even. Ten long, yeah. <laughs> I try. I try not. I try not to even think about that. To be honest, um, no. I. I. I do wear a mask, and I'd always tell people to to wear a mask. Um, like now, I. I'm lucky enough to have like a big professional extraction system that we've that we had installed. But for the longest time, I mean, I worked in the this this room. This room that we podcast that I podcast in now was the the studio. I mean, it was the the old workshop. Um, and where the, where the camera is, that was like my little carving desk. And where I'm sat now, I'd have like three machines set up on a on a bench. And the cupboard next to me was an extract, like a little extraction unit in it. And me and Eddie, the guy that worked me towards the end, like we'd be in here and this place would just be full of dust. We'd have masks on, especially in the summer, it would be ridiculously warm. Um, but yeah, we I guess we just kept kept it going somehow. It does seem like it. So, what what were the some of the first um, like uh, inspirations for like things you carved on the the ones? Did you just like take requests, or did you also like like try to find out like what would uh, what would look good on a horn and try to find sources and all that stuff? I think I think this is why I I kind of understand the new people that come into this so much and how they how they see and I always try to speak on their behalf maybe even though I take the piss out of them quite often on the podcast also I do like to try to understand it from their perspective because I was there and I'm one of those people that at the at this very start I I thought the helm of all was a viking symbol I thought the Vigvisir was a viking symbol so I mean they're without a doubt they're still two of the most popular horns that I'll make because mm-hmm. they just are such incredibly popular designs, regardless of them not being quote unquote Viking. They're just 
imag- they're, they're just a powerhouse of symbols for whatever reason those two have just caught the imagination in, in modern times so though yeah those two were always very popular popular but because i had limited time i i couldn't like make horns ahead of time and like advertise them so it was literally just taking requests of whatever anyone wanted and i would make make that and then try i guess i just tried to research as i was going um but that's why again going back to why i say i sympathize with people because i was doing i was plumbing nine to five then i was trying to make horns on an evening and then trying to research like what all these different things were and what they meant you you only have so much time to do it, so you kind of do click on the the basic articles and mm-hmm. read it a little bit or see things online and absorb that as as fact, I guess. When it's not, and you need to delve a little bit deeper, or listen right. to this podcast, or listen to this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so so like so you did so just to get a timeline on this you started like that in your garage you just did it sort of for people and it sort of grew and grew and grew and for how long until you started thinking okay now we've done all this forms and now we want to move into to clothing and all that what what gave you the idea oh so i think i did i probably did the just the horns for maybe like two years just kind of on an evening when i could Saved up a little bit of money. It helped pay for our kitchen doing. Um, and I just, I, I saved the money. I Because I was working full time, I, I had this idea that if I just invested pretty much everything back into the business or back into the horns, getting better machinery, getting better equipment, buying more stock and just just doing that, then maybe it could come, become something bigger. Um, and then I, I guess it, it came to a point where it was... We'd we'd met a leathersmith that I found on Etsy to make like the horn holders. Um, so I had him make some belts and some like bell bags and that kind of thing. And then the lady that makes the rims for the horn, she lives about 10 minutes away. She's from our town. So she, we had her make some some sort of jewelry with runes on and and kind of the helm of all the Vigrisia, that kind of things, and and some some quote unquote Viking jewelry. Um, and then just kind of started to try and expand it because I figured if I wanted to make a business from it, then I, it needed to be more than just just horns. It needed to be kind of a, an all-encompassing brand, I guess. Um, and then I would say the clothing. It's, the clothing is just an ego thing. I think there's so many brands that... I, and it's, 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 that's like the very honest truth of it, though, is that I think so many brands think clothing is going to... Because it looks cool. It looks good if someone's wearing your T-shirt, wearing your your clothes. It is very, it, it does kind of massage your ego a bit in that sense. Uh, but it's so hard to make a clothing brand work. Like if we we did just clothing, there's no way we could exist as a company because it's just so hard to to sell because there's so much competition. Obviously, whether it's just in the, the, the Viking world or in, in general, there's so many clothing brands and so many people that do it really well. And they can always probably do it cheaper. Um, so I think I started that as more of like a, a massage the ego because it was cool and that's what everyone else was doing. And it felt like what I, well, it felt like what you should do, I guess. Um, and 
the first like the first I had these these, these grand ambitions of thinking that the first designs we were going to do were going to sell hundreds hundreds or thousands of and then when it comes to it and you sell like 10 and it's like that's not what I expected this to be <laughs> but that's it's just not it's such a competitive market and I think I've got better at kind of understanding maybe what people want and clothing wise and trying to be something different and, and kind of find our own own lane because so many so many clothing brands I think are artist driven um there's some amazing companies out there like Ra- razor storm were one of the first ones that that i found and were kind of talking to was very much there as we were we were starting it's always been a, a friend of mine and very very good to me in a sense of like helping me guide guide thing, guide my way through things and, and understand stuff and always there for for a conversation but with him he's uh, he's driven so he can draw designs whereas for me i always had to outsource it to to somebody else to do the design to then kind of put on a t-shirt so he's always had like that extra step which is why i think i've tried to make a a brand out of horns of odin in a sense rather than like big designs kind of make really nice looking clothes that maybe are, are more subtle for people who want to to kind of have this stuff involved but not like a huge kind of design all the time i guess and i think i think we'll try and we'll find a spot there i i like the stuff we make mm-hmm. i think yeah i think it's great uh, material yeah. that you use too a lot of it um you try to be very conscious too right about uh, the materials that you that you select and and those kinds of things for, for i mean when did you send me the t-shirts that you sent you sent me three i think t-shirts that was a. that was that was back when i lived in london so it's it's, it's way more than two years ago oh but it's gonna actually gonna give you a compliment like just to say that i still wear those t-shirts and they're still looking great mm-hmm. it's quite amazing because if you buy a t-shirt from h&m and you wear it fairly regularly if it, it has a, if, if, <laughs> if it lives for a light uh, for a year if it lives for a year you're lucky mm-hmm. you know usually they don't even live that long so you're definitely you're definitely doing something right not just massaging your ego or your balls <laughs> or you can do, or, you can do or, both. Or, or, I could do both. <laughs> uh, but uh, but no, I'm really serious. It's it's uh, it's it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff, no, I for think sure. we, me and Sarah, would, would went to to Primark the other day. I don't. Know, do you have Primark in in the USA? Jonas, what would that be in American terms? Target, something like that. Target or or H and M. You've got H and M fairly. You've got a lot of H and Ms and. In, I saw them a lot in New York, at least. I've been there for a fair bit, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's but, that yeah, kind of target, pro- target probably. Yeah, very cheap, fast fashion. So I, I, I got some jeans from there because they do stretchy fabric jeans, and I have giant balls. <laughs> giant, giant balls after this episode <laughs> from, from all that massaging. <laughs> so, I, I guess I have I guess I have big legs from from when I used to play rugby. Um, so <laughs> so stretchy stretchy jeans are the only jeans that that, that work for me. So anyway, we were in, <laughs> we were in Primark, and I mean, I mean, Sarah wandering around, and it's like how how do you compete with with, with that? Because they had, you know, they had NFL jerseys for like ten pounds. They must buy the license and make their just their own. And Disney. And, you know, Disney branded stuff and 
a Marvel branded stuff and it's like 10 pound a t-shirt or whatever and it's like how do you how do you compete with that as a as a company and I guess mm. the only way you can do really is is make quality things and then also try and get a, a loyal customer base who who like what you do mm-hmm. because it's it's almost impossible to to compete with those kind of co- companies as a as a small clothing brand mm-hmm. where, where is this produced uh, in which country which ones well like your t-shirts for oh, our yeah. stuff like your, your cotton your cotton so stuff. the base material themselves come from i think they're taiwan i think um i mean i've i've actually tried to look anywhere for like a uk but they just don't seem to they don't seem to exist unfortunately everything just got outsourced um mm-hmm. and to find somebody who make you, you can find a dozen people who like print them or you know do the embroidery on them but when it comes to making the actual garment it's all either china taiwan but i think I think they. I think people have a, a negative, can have quite a negative connotation on stuff coming from over there. But I don't think it has to be. Um, what do you mean? What, how can they have that? Everything. Well, I know comes from. Well, people there. do though, don't they? they? So you can. So you can be naked, or you can make your own clothes from <laughs> linen and hemp. I think. I think uh, one of the problems is, of course, what are the workers' rights uh, in in those countries and. That's you know, China has you know those suicide factories, for instance, mm-hmm, like for sure, um, where people like literally jump out of the windows and they put nets up to catch them, which you know I don't, I don't know what's worse here, <laughs> like. But I mean, for us, we we always try and we we try to to do our to our best where we where we can. So like some of our stuff, the a lot of the um, like woolen and knitted type stuff is made in the UK. Because we, we 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 know a company that that can make them, and that's what we can do. But when it comes to t-shirts, I just haven't come a, come across one. So if anybody does know one, then please do let me know because it is something we, we'll always try and uh, try and get better. I don't think anyone's perfect as when they, whatever they do, and we're always trying to improve and look for for new people, new people to work with, new suppliers, new ways to to make everything better and kind of more streamlined. I think it's also, uh, you know, it's incredibly difficult to apply Western standards onto country like, for instance, India, which, I mean, I don't know too much about India, any of the other countries, but I do know about India, and I do know a fair bit about the garment production in India as well, because Nana was dabbling in that uh, many, many years ago, uh, many years ago, but we were, we were traveling quite a lot. Uh, in in India to to find the most sustainable, the most this and that and the other, and you know it is it is extremely difficult, uh, even with like the silk industry. I remember seeing this place that was supposedly you know fully organic, and they were using what you call peace silk, where they don't kill the butterfly, so 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 the larvae becomes a butterfly and it flies away. Mm-hmm. Uh, the point is that I remember going to that factory, and it was all these women sitting and spinning this, uh, sitting and spinning this this tussle silk. And um, there was when we came to visit that place, we we came as you know uh, Western potential customers. So there was like twenty men walking around with us. I might be exaggerating; maybe it was only ten, but in my head it felt like twenty. 
they were just walking around with us. They didn't seem to be really doing anything at all. Like they didn't seem to have any real job or anything. They were just walking around. And while all these other people were working for tuppins, and I heard kind of really terrible stories about the men being drunk and the women working in these things for tuppence a month. And I'm just trying to say that it's, it's really difficult. It's really, really difficult to find something that is truly sustainable. Yeah, for us, it's trying to find that balance of being as being as kind of sustainable and eco-friendly as we can, but also be able to give value and things that are affordable. Because obviously, at the end of the day, it's a business, and I need to try and make a, a living off it as well. So it's just, it's just finding that balance and then trying to improve things as you go. But I would like to say that I, there are things in place now, particularly with with like India and China, where you can. You can look at factories will get independent ratings. There'll be independent people who go and kind of do surveys on mm. factories and, and you can then pick pick your supplier based on on that. So there are ways to to kind of try and avoid feeding into to those situations like you were saying. And we'll always try and pick the the best ones we can where we where hopefully we, we know that they've been treated tre- right and fairly and been paid a fair wage. Um, sure. So yeah, there's there's ways to check to check, and we like I say we try and try and do that wherever we can. But we, I mean, with like I say, clothing is the only thing, it's the only real last piece of the puzzle. I think like that, everything we try to keep everything as close to to us as possible. Like I say, the the jewelry is five minutes from us, and our leathersmiths up in Newcastle, we get candles from a lady in the UK. Um, a lot of the mead, like the mead suppliers in York, and we kind of developed that with them. Everything we try to keep as local as possible. It's just again with, with the clothing, that's the, the one kind of last piece that we're just trying to figure out and, and get that to slot in. And hopefully, at some point, we can find somebody over here. But until then, we'll just do things to try and keep it as as good as we can. Um, no, I mean so. Think about how actually the Industrial Revolution came about in England back in the day. That was a lot of textile factories in particular. Um, and also, you know, consider how, um, how, how conditions were for those workers back then in the 1700s and 1800s. I mean, that, 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 that was horrible conditions. Uh, it was it was child labor, you know, all the things that we now point our fingers at these uh, these different countries like India, for instance, for for doing mm. right. Um, and and yeah. and I mean, uh, it, it's, as you say, incredibly complicated. And uh, obviously, I mean, in my opinion, it's, it's not OK to to not pay your uh, workers a living wage. And it's not OK to ex- exploit human beings in general. Um, but there are also like processes uh, that that these kinds of societies go through in terms of their emerging industries, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I mean, it's a and and we can't just sit here and and, and be all high and mighty about that shit uh, in 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 our nice comfy chairs with nope. big fat asses, like no. <laughs> so no, I I I was actually talking about that the other day. How how you know when we went through kind of like industrial revolution there wasn't anybody who'd already been there done it there was sat kind of above that could 
that could be judgely looking down upon and be like, you know, you're doing it all wrong. We kind of, we, we went through it. And then now these other countries are, we're kind of sat going, oh, we can't do that. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. we, we did that. It's just, we didn't have anyone that already done it to say that it was, it was wrong. So it is a very complicated situation. And, I mean, and, 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 but, and also in that process of going from, you know, having those kinds of productions that are very exploitable, uh, exploitative, right? Uh, there was a lot of workers' blood that was spilled, uh, <laughs> oh, fighting absolutely. for better rights. You know, <laughs> like that's part of that yeah. uh, that whole situation too. So yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's hypocritical to to be uh, on the one hand like these very comfortable societies that are sitting there pointing their fingers at these uh, countries that have these productions that are very similar to the ones that we used to have and then at the same time also buying their stuff and uh you know for instance in huge uh um very cheap stores like h&m and and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. right it's a bit much yeah Yeah. so (laughs) so where 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 yeah where were we before we i'm interested dan is like okay so you say it was the viking television show that got you interested in 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 vikings and such but i'm just thinking that there must have been something before that that sort of i mean did were you interested in in similar things before that like i oh i would the rings or i've always i've always been interested in history like a a huge okay uh a huge interest in history i had i had an amazing history teacher in high school Mr. Ainley, if you if you happen to be listening to this, then I guess everything that I, I do now is probably inspiration from that because he was just an awesome teacher who, who was a really good storyteller um, and kind of grabbed everybody's attention. What was and his that, name? Mr. What? Mr. Ainley. Yeah, he was he was a really good one. So so I did history history at high school. Then I went on to, to my A levels and took history. What was your What was your main subjects in A levels? Uh, I did medieval history, law, uh, PE, and then at AS I did politics. So yeah, I I was I did all right academically. I, <laughs> I I play the fool on here quite often, but I did I know I did all right. I just <laughs> I just, I just didn't want to go to to university. It just wasn't for me. I didn't particular. I saw my sister go before me. Um, I kind of saw the debt she got, and she left and didn't really end up using her degree for anything so i i decided it wasn't for for me but i always knew that i wouldn't stick with plumbing forever i just didn't know what else i'd do um but yeah i don't think i i mean i i knew of the vikings and knew bits about kind of like around that that world and, and kind of the very entry knowledge of of the norse kind of mythology i guess but nothing nothing major and it wasn't kind of all stemmed from getting interested in the tv show and then and then build into to whatever it is that that it is today i guess and and doing this show with mateus an empire that's what it is (laughs) maybe one day try it (laughs) that's what we're trying for but yeah so it was all kind of just it's all just something that happened i think it just kept kept going step by step and there was never any kind of real great goal and then yeah i think 
until until I met Mateus, I was very much probably one of those. I probably described myself as a Viking bro, even though I might not want to. I, I to outsiders to looking back on me then, I probably was very much that of that kind of opinion. I I thought I knew more than I did about this this stuff, and then Mateus spent two years telling me everything I thought I knew was fucking wrong <laughs> and beating me down week by week and <laughs> just stripping apart. Is that why, Daniel, you're all... Is that why you're all over Facebook uh, battling the Viking bros wherever you find them? Because one, <laughs> you know, you were once one, but now you're converted, so you're sort of like out there to... I feel I feel the responsibility. The rest of once, the once he was lost, wretches. but now he's found. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, have a, I feel the responsibility to guide them towards the light. To guide them towards the, the yeah. I'm just trying to get them to listen to the podcast. Really, yeah. <laughs> that's not that's not a that's a worthy goal. So yeah, you're, which... an, you're an idiot. Listen to my podcast. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I monitor these these groups and try not to engage. But I, every time I see something totally ridiculous being put up in one of these groups, I, I maybe just go down to see if Daniel said anything. <laughs> and seventy percent, you said something. Seventy percent of the time, you said something. You went like, "This is not a Viking simple or <laughs> that's." Odinism is really not a word you want to use. Like those kind of things <laughs> every time. Oh, it's, it's, usually, it's, 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 usually, it's usually just quoting something that Matthias said the week before. <laughs> That's all well, it is. I'm, I'm glad my voice is out there without me actually starting real real ugly fights with those kinds of people. Because <laughs> I am not capable Daniel is, of Daniel is cool spreading your knowledge by proxy. That's fine by me, man. <laughs> you're there in spirit. <laughs> no, but it is. I mean, that, that that that. I don't know. I've never. I've never. I never sort of like really followed whether you get down and deep. Sort of like if you get really into the weeds with those folks. But um, but yeah, it, it's. Uh, I understand why you left, uh, Matthias. I really do. I it's, mean, um, you know, it's it's, it's just like. If your if your goal is to make humanity smarter, and that's that's one of my goals, like uh, at least where I can contribute, yeah, don't get off Facebook because <laughs> mm-hmm. no nobody, it, you know, there's I can even quote uh, old Norse scripture on that one, like uh, Odin says in Halvamal, don't argue with fools, right? And that goes for the fools and and those who are not fools. If you're a fool and you're arguing with others, then you're both fools essentially because it's just you, you just you're wasting your time um yeah. on something that is innocent inessential like facebook doesn't produce anything like it, all it does is advertise it's 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 like the the white pages the yellow pages or whatever you call it wherever you're from right like it, it's just a, a this this version of it just have, have you arguing and bickering at the same time as you're receiving ads, yeah. right? Yeah, it's that's it. <laughs> it. It's tough because, like I said, I know, I know because I've been there. I've been on both sides. I know I will have been at some point that the asshole in the group who thought knew best, um, and then and tried to argue, tried to argue something that I knew, and somebody, somebody who knew more and knew probably knew correctly telling me i was wrong but i dig my heels in and be like no i'm right because i read it on a 
on a blog somewhere. So I know that I've been I've I've been there. So I I guess I I think oh well you know maybe if I maybe I tell them the right thing they'll listen or maybe I tell them to come listen to the podcast they'll they'll do it. But then nobody ever does. I don't ever get anywhere. It just feels like I'm banging my head against a brick wall. So it's it's really infuriating because then I just think was I like that? Was I that bad? <laughs> and then it's kind of this, it comes full circle. It's like but then maybe I should keep trying because maybe then I could get no. But... It's a stra- it's a stra- it's a strange thing. I mean, I saw I saw uh, our dear friend and uh, and someone I admire a lot. You know, Rune was was uh, he he wasn't arguing really with someone. It was just uh, it was on Facebook. It was something on his Nordic Animism channel. Someone else had posted something in there, and this guy started just uh, firing at them. And Rune, being the diplomat that he is tried to sort of go in and sort of ask him a question and sort of, I'm genuinely interested in this point of view that you're putting forward. Uh, could, could you please sort of elaborate a bit on what you're trying to say here? And and Rune just got more vitriolic bullshit thrown in his face. And then he tried again and he tried, he can, I mean, you could really see Rune struggling to sort of, you know, calm the waters of, of this of this fiery spirit on online, you know, this fiery troll that was obviously just there to, Clearly, he was simply just, this guy was relishing in his own perceived cleverness, you know. Mm-hmm. But he was he was like a guy who was saying, come here, come over to my side of the aisle by kicking and pushing. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's futile. It's absolutely futile. And uh, I don't know why you do it, Daniel, but I hope you have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I, I, I do have fun. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely have fun. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to know about about the business before we move on to anything else? Yeah, surely. Go on. I want to know how you guys. Uh, I, you have probably talked about this before, but uh, so, so you were doing this this business and so on. It was going great, and 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 you wanted to know more about Viking stuff, I suppose. And and how did you guys meet and think? We're doing this podcast because I remember hearing your first episodes and 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 this is actually the reason why <laughs> How I terrible they were. <laughs> uh, no, no, they were not. They well, they were bad quality sound and so on. But they were they were. I liked I liked the conversation between a layman and and a, a professor. I, I liked that format, and I had listened to some other podcasts uh, at that time, uh, and 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 didn't didn't find. I didn't. Well, even even if they were better quality and so on, yours were more like being invited into a room, and I could just drive in my car and feel that I was that there was these two guys next to me talking Viking shit. You know, that was mm-hmm. you know the cool thing about it. I think for me, I have a a childlike curiosity, but I don't mind. I don't mind asking the question, and I don't mind if I look stupid or. I come across a bit of an idiot because I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to ask you. Someone else is probably thinking the same thing. So if I look silly, who cares? Um, I think maybe people have found that quite endearing over the last hundred and odd episodes that it is just because most of the questions, or pretty much all of the questions I ask, I just, in my mind, that's that's what I'm thinking in that moment. And I'm just, fuck it. I'm going to, I'm going to ask. We don't plan any of these episodes. You can, a test of that, Jonas. You've been here many times. We, you know, yeah. we we very much kind of just 
pick a subject, pick a guest, and and go. All right, let's let's talk for an hour and a half and and see what happens. So all the questions are very much in the moment, and just me going. All right, I don't understand this. What does that mean? Um, and I've learned so much from this podcast. Not just not just history based. I think just sometimes it's about what what words are in general. What some English words are. There's been words, some stuff that people have said. And I'm like. Matthias, what what is that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, I, so so. I mean, Daniel started bugging me at some point. I think he had seen a couple of my YouTube videos. Um, we had been in contact about this issue with uh, with you guys using uh, non-white models and and uh, and then getting a bunch of racist backlash. People calling it cultural appropriation. What the fuck? Um, and <laughs> yeah, that that's definitely what I can't remember what group it was. There was a group. Yeah, we 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 came across each other in that context, and 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 we talked a little bit about that, and and so on. And then you saw a couple of my YouTube videos, and then you were like, you know what? You should do a podcast. Uh, actually, you should do a podcast with me. <laughs> and 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 I started thinking, you know what? Uh, that's actually that's actually a great idea. Um, a podcast that's based off of like uh, uh, somebody who's like a, a you know, professional scholar in this field talking to somebody who's a lay person because there's not a lot of that out there. There's not a lot of like there are two ways really that uh, that Nordic mythology stuff are communicated uh, out there. You know, there are scholars who communicate primarily to other scholars, and that's just that. And and then there's the popular machinery or whatever you want to call it, right? Where you can you you mostly you mostly get uh, like sort of like a reinforcement of the same myths and stereotypes about the Viking Age or mythology or whatever it is and i'd say that that happens in in all the popular shows and, and movies that i've seen so far um like the reinforcement of like for instance the barbarian stereotype is always there when it comes to vikings i've never seen anybody try to actually um untangle that or dissolve it um sometimes it they they it does look like they try with uh, with Vikings honestly, but it's still predicated on the same notion that uh, these were barbarians that came from Scandinavia and then invaded England. Period. That, that that's, that's always the same idea, right? So, so you know, in that way, like somebody like like Dan asking questions about all of this based off of his knowledge from popular shows like that, it's a great place to start. Just to, to begin actually explaining how complicated history is. And his, I mean, it's not just the Viking Age that, that's complicated. It's also later periods and earlier periods. And you just go back and look at World War II and see just how much material we have written on World War II, like as, as humanity and as such at this point. And that's because, that's because this, there, there are so many perspectives. This is a of course, a period in time is so much closer to us. So, so, so there's so many perspectives you can get on on all of these different events that were involved in what we call World War II, right? Like, just think about it on sort of like a macro level. 
all these different events like you could be in Bosnan or you could be in somewhere in the Balkans you could be in in France you could be uh you could be Polish you could be Jewish you could be German you could be a lot of different things there's so many perspectives Ukrainian you Ukrainian know? for April that matter. bro April yes bro, yeah yeah or one of those Russian soldiers uh, soldiers who just had to cross the Volga to Stalingrad uh, as they were getting yeah. fired on by the Germans. And if they went back, they'd get shot by the generals, right? Um, so it's like all of these different things, right? All of these different perspectives are available on that in, in different ways. Now, that in many ways, that's similar with any other time period. We're dealing with the Viking Age and our source material is so limited. We have some material culture that we can access through digging in the ground. And the main overall, on a sort of like a global scale, the people who have defined Vikings outwards to any other people on the planet except for Scandinavians is the English, right? Like that, that if you are in India and, you, and you're Indian and you know anything about Vikings, your information has, has somehow gone through the filter of England before it gets to you, right? So that's also something to consider. There's a, there's like a sort of like a funnel that just like uh, com compresses the information and then spits it out there, right? So, you know, starting a podcast where we talk about these things and highlight just how complicated it is and get into the nitty gritty of it and and uh, and you know, scatter a bunch of uh, curse words. I thought that that was a, a great idea to begin with. So that's that's how it started, you know. Yeah, I, I never knew we'd do 107 episodes. And I still feel like I know fucking nothing. <laughs> like, I, I mean, without a doubt, I've, I've learned an incredible amount. And I find myself when I'm in these little Facebook engagements that um, I've learned so much like stuff just comes out of my head from somewhere that Mateus has said at some point on the on the uh, on the podcast and it's just it's just there it just appears and I'm like oh fucking hell I, I actually know something but in the same in the same breath I feel like I know nothing as well because we'll have other conversations or we'll have other guests on it and it's like I don't understand this that's where but but Daniel that's where that's where I would say that um Depends on what you mean by knowing, right? And I, I don't know, Matthias. You, 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 you might, uh, you might echo what I'm about to say. You might have something else to say. It'd be interesting, anyways. But uh, I, I would say when it comes to history, because I, like you, Daniel, have been interested. I'm not as I'm not a scholar like Matthias in history, but I, I've been interested in history since I was very young. Like I studied, I, I studied the Roman Empire manically at some point as reading books and listening to podcasts and reading online and and so on and so forth about the Roman Empire and 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 I've been interested in in Vikings and and Viking mythology in particular since I was very young um what I seem to sort of always have as, as a takeaway from history is that history is all grand narratives in some sense you know you can of course you can get into some nitty-gritties about a certain bracket and certain details about that. And that's what you, that's what Nietzsche calls the sort of antiquarian history. Like that's, that's the, that's the dusty tomes on books and that sort of thing. But, but, but in general history is like 
grand narratives. And it's all, it's all lies in some sense. But what history can be used for is it can tell us a lot about how do human beings, how are human beings and how do we react to certain things and how do we play power games and how do we, you know, it's crazy things that human beings do so that we can be prepared. Like, you know, let me say something extremely controversial, but I don't think it should be actually. If it comes out in a hundred years that, you know, there definitely was something called COVID, but a lot of people in power used all this COVID shit to get a lot of, you know, programs pushed through and blah, blah, blah. And there was all kinds of shit going on in the background. It really wouldn't surprise me that much because I have read of terrible fuckery going on in the Roman Empire. You know, absolute dreadful fuckery, like, like, uh, faking a grain shortage and people fucking famine like crazy in Rome. And then someone stepping in and said, I got rid of the pirates, but he was actually the one who paid the pirates. Uh, uh, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. It's so very strict, like, like serious details about what really happened can be very difficult to, 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 um, to really figure out. But it can tell you something generally about what human beings are capable of and therefore, it has extreme value, uh, I'd say, because it talks about the human condition more broadly. And so therefore, if you, do, if you feel you don't know anything yet, Daniel, you probably never really will. And neither will Matthias or I or anyone, mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you say, Matthias? I just really went, made myself vulnerable there with what I said. So please, uh, <laughs> please help no, me. I, 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 I agree. <laughs> I agree a lot. Um, and, it, you know, it, it is... Uh, first of all, historical uh, periods are always incredibly complicated, right? And um, you know, it's it's so funny to to, to compare uh, the, the movies Pirates of the Caribbean with the actual Pirates of the Caribbean and and what they were and who they were and all of that stuff. And it's yeah, you yeah. Know, fascinating, fascinating. It is incredibly fascinating, you know. And, you know, considering just how much the uh, English and French governments at the time used pirates against each other, right? And <laughs> and in, in the Pirates of the Caribbean, this is like freedom narrative, you know, against um, the not so much England, but but England represented as the uh, uh, the East India Trade Company, right? Which you know, is another interesting corporation. Uh, situation that you're dealing with right you know and what 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 do we find in these pirates you know, the actual historical pirates we find irish and women and slaves uh in particular uh finding their freedom we even find a pirate state at one point which is a democracy um you know that has then been villainized later on as just criminals Right, uh, just so fascinating to consider this, just how complicated this this old issue of pirates that are a little closer than Vikings, right? And you just have to you have to ask yourself when you talk about the Viking Age, like what was actually at play back then? What what actually happened, right? Um, we have we have like all of these like like Scandinavians that are capable of communicating with each other. Um, but but uh, were they aligned with one another? Were they 
uh, they were definitely not those nations that we talk about today. Like, uh, fuck this idea of like Danes being Danes, Norwegians and Swedes being Norwegians and Swedes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely not. Um, uh, but how are they represented? By, uh, how did they represent themselves when they, for instance, entered England and so on? Like, there, there's so many different different things to consider here um, in terms of complications and. And so I, I think you're totally right when uh, when you. Yeah, I also want to say I also want to say that I'm really not saying that 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 COVID is any of that. I'm just saying <laughs> there's a lot of fuckery that goes on. There's a lot of fuckery yeah. that goes on. Well, That's yeah, awesome. I mean, exactly. But but like if you think about it in terms of like some kind of like disaster from the outside, like COVID disaster from the outside, and then you have. Uh, people taking advantage of that in different societies, right? You think about it in the same way in, in England, right? You could see Alfred the Great taking advantage of Vikings as, as an outside disaster that then uh, makes it possible for him to establish, you know, a, a, a English, English conglomerate state that absorbs Mercia and, and so on, right? And, and, and that's a politically opportune moment for a uh, Saxon king who has had those aspirations or a dynasty that has had those aspirations for a while, right? It's a very different way of, of perceiving what is otherwise in an English context considered the formation of the nation of England, right? Yes. And you could yes. apply the exact same um, scope to the, the creation of Norway, or the creation of Denmark that also happens yeah. in the Viking Age, right? Like Denmark, um, if we go by the national narrative of like, oh yeah, we like Harold Bluetooth was sort of like the guy who then was like the unifying father of the nation, blah blah blah. And then he put up a Roman mm. stone that said that you're all Christian, and that's how we became Danes and Christian Danes. Yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. These are these it's these like, are these grand narratives I'm talking about. Exactly. And you know uh, what? Yeah. You know what? Like we only got Christianized. It's very most likely we, the only reason that Denmark became Christianized was because the Germans uh fucking invaded us. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. that's the, that's not the story that the Danish historian Saxo will tell you about Denmark, no. of course not. But that's the story that the Icelandic historians will tell you about how Denmark became Christianized, right? So boom, there you go. And that's that's the fascinating thing about all of this, right? I I totally I totally agree, and 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 it's it's the it's 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 honing in on what I was trying to say with the utility of, of history, because the history is filled with all these grand narratives. But if you take the time to study it, you realize uh, how incredibly important and in it is in your life to stay clear of grand narratives entirely, because it is never that simple ever. It's always complicated. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I think this, for the most part we, we're almost trained to to see things just one way, um, look at just one side, or pick pick a side. Certainly, you know, this day and age in in the UK, particular for me, since like since Brexit, it's been like break, leave or remain. Mm-hmm. Every everything for for years and years now has been like pick a team, which team is yours? It's like Trump and whoever is against Hillary or Biden. It's like to so pick your team. That's your team, and and you have to 
to go with them and stick with them no matter what. And the reality is things are very much more complicated than that. And and like you said before, like with COVID, you can have it being a, a disaster in one hand and people exploiting it in the other. You can have both things surviving and being and existing and being true in the same moment. It's not one or the other. You can have it, a disaster happens and then people come along and exploit that. Because that's mm-hmm. what people do. It doesn't have to be, oh, well, you say that somebody exploited it, so that means you're saying that COVID doesn't exist. It's like, well, no. We're saying that they both they both exist at the same time because that's mm-hmm. how fucking things are. Things are really saying it's fucking complicated. I've been saying it for 107 fucking episodes. <laughs> you know, like, We've been saying it. <laughs> We've been and saying we've been it saying for a it's... while. We will be saying it for an, another 107 episodes. We'll be still saying <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, I, 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 this, I think I've said, I think I've said this so many times on here that the most valuable lesson I have learned from doing this podcast is being comfortable in just accepting that we know nothing and being comfortable in accepting the unknown and just being like, yeah, maybe we don't know that, and being happy to just say that, to just be like, with certain things that we'll never know, and it's open to our own interpretation, and just. That's as it is. We we can with tat with maybe like tattoos for the example. You know, we mm-hmm. we can be guided one way or the other by by evidence or by sources or by personal opinion. But the reality is we don't know hundred percent and we can't ever say for hundred percent. Um so you just have to be comfortable in that zone of going, you know what? We don't really know. But I think for the most part, for people just getting into this, and, and for me, like when I just started, you want. You don't want and you don't want, you don't want maybes and ifs and buts. You want you just think you want the right answer and you think there's always going to be a right answer and it's right or wrong and someone's gonna if somebody says this and you think it's the other thing then you have to argue it because there is a right answer and then you mm-hmm. kind of the more you learn you just go oh hang on a minute maybe we we just don't know some stuff it's a long mm-hmm. time ago and we're just not really too sure and, and that's the main thing i think i've learned is just being comfortable and going but you can apply that to everything in your life really I mean, absolutely i think i think i think the the ability to stay in the question with everything you do it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't i'm not talking about apathy but staying in the question also about like the great questions of life you know i mean we're always trying to find the meaning of life i mean this ties into religion and and these sort of things, it, it, you know, what happens with religion every time it becomes codified and there's no question about how things are anymore, that's when it becomes pathological, right? Staying the question is, means that you allow for development. You allow for new things to come up. You allow for for things to progress in some sense. Um, I mean, I got into a discussion the other day, um, and I'm not going to say what the discussion was about, but I I sat very much in the middle because I, it was something that I didn't particularly know much about. And I was just asking questions and was just like, I can, you know, someone who had picked chosen their side, I was like, can you tell me more? Can you, you know, can you explain why you think this? And then and somebody joined in and was like, oh, you know, you're just sat in the middle. You don't, you don't even pick a side. Um, as if that's a bad thing. And I think it, so many people it goes back to what I was saying before. So many people have this mentality that you have to pick a team. Um, whereas I was just in the middle because I just didn't know. I, I I didn't have enough information to choose. 
one way or the other. So I was like, look, tell me more and then I'll figure it out. But for somehow that scene has been a bad thing because you're, you're unsure and you're in the middle. Whereas really that I think it should be a positive because you can, you can learn. Um, and it's just this weird thing that we have at the minute. Same with like people changing their minds. It's like, if you change your mind on something, you're now, it's now a negative. You, you know, you've backtracked you. How dare you change your mind or change your opinion. It's like, no, we're fucking humans. We're all growing and changing and, and adapting and learning. And then maybe I just think differently than I did last week or a couple of years ago. But it's like, oh, you changed our mind. And it's all about integrity at the end of the day, right? Authenticity, being authentic. You know, people uh, sniff out. Yeah, people get sniff out when when people are just inauthentic. Is that the right word? Inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless unless they're sort of beguiled by 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 a performative facade, right? I mean, uh, but even then, I, though, I think I, I think deep down we have like an innate way of of kind of sensing. You do sometimes just get a sense of people whether they're they're genuine or not. There's just some yeah, but, feeling you get. But what we say in Danish, you know, feast of blolling, right? Like the flashing lights and shit like that, uh, that, that 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 go with. Uh, some person uh, then also you know can be confusing for uh, for people right I, I'm, I'm thinking especially of like major pop stars you know or, or reality tv show stars and that kind of stuff right like they they can they can be uh they can hide hide behind um you know all the performative stuff and mm-hmm. that way, you, you a lot of people won't be able to actually recognize if they're being authentic or not, because there's there's so much that has been styled up around them in the first place, right? I think coming back to the whole thing about authenticity and integrity, it's kind of I kind of want to tell the story if if, if I if I may, am I allowed to tell the story? It's the one. It's another one of my Buddhist stories. You tell us. Tell a story. Because I really find this to be the most inspirational story ever uh, in, in terms of authenticity and integrity and so on. Um, okay, so it's a story that Alan Watts tells, actually. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, comes from uh, ancient China. So imagine we're back in ancient China and there's a general, a fearsome general. Let's call him uh, General Zhao. He's terrible. And... Uh, he hates Buddhist monks, like hates them with a vengeance. And he was a great conqueror. And every time he would come to a village, he would go up to the nearby Buddhist monastery and he would disembowel all the Buddhist monks. So naturally, his fearsome reputation preceded him. And uh, every time he came to a new village, and if there was a Buddhist monastery, the Buddhists flee to the mountains, to the forests, wherever they could get away, because you know they certainly didn't want to be disemboweled. This made General Zhao so very pleased with himself. Every time he came to a new village, he came up to the monastery, and all the Buddhist monks would be gone. <laughs> he had sown fear in the hearts, deep in the hearts, Buddhist monks. And one day he came to a village. And he came up to the, to the monastery. And there, in the center of the courtyard, sat one Buddhist monk. And General Zhao was furious 
who was this insolent little Buddhist monk who dared to defy him. So he went up to him and he said, who are you to defy me? Don't you know who I am? I could have you disemboweled right here and now, and I wouldn't blink an eye. And the Buddhist monk, sitting in his lotus position, looked, at, looked up at him slowly and said, Greetings, General Chow. I do know who you are, but you clearly do not know who I am. Do you know that I could have you disembowel me right here and now, and I wouldn't blink an eye. So the story doesn't tell anything about whether General Zhao actually did disembowel him or not, because it doesn't matter at that point. Mm -hmm. The Buddhist monk has shown the perfect example of integrity and authenticity. He's not going to let himself be pushed around by some general just because he's going to disembowel him. Because the thing is that he'd rather live in integrity and authenticity than he would live in fear of some other person who's just some other guy who happens to be a general with a sword. There we go. Anyways, inspirational I, um, story. There I, we go. I very uh, much agree. Before we, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to know? Jonas, are you coming to make us move, Daniel? Fan? Yes, yes. Hopefully, me and Mateus might do something there. Fingers crossed. Finally, meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have decided we hate each things. other. <laughs> <laughs> we might, we might hate each other. So we will all finally meet. Well, I, I suppose, Mateus, will I meet you at Fire in the Mountains before that? Oh yes, you will. Oh yes. Okay, so I will meet Mateus before I meet you, Daniel. You, have you two never met? No. no. <laughs> never met? No. Wow, I thought you two knew each other. No, no, we no, from the same country. No. <laughs> I just always yeah. assumed that you'd met. No, like, like I said, I, I, I heard about Matthias because of the podcast. Because I was oh, just really? looking for stuff to listen while I was driving because I was, was going on a long trip. And uh, yeah, so so I, I was listening to the podcast and uh, I thought, hey, that's the Danish guy, but he's a professor and he lives in the US. And uh, and when I was uh, got the idea for Nibala, I needed, uh, I wanted to find someone to, to spar with and I reached out to Matthias. And that's how we got to know each other on a more personal level. I thought you'd been friends for years. <laughs> no, Matthias is, a, Matthias is what I call a COVID friend. Yes, <laughs> like I've, I've gotten a few, I've, I've gotten a few COVID friends who are people that I've sort of developed uh, uh, friendships with, but never met. You and Alex is one. Alex from Find the Mountains is one, and uh, there's a few others. Uh, it's funny COVID friends. We'll, we <laughs> will, <horrible>. we'll <laughs> we'll all, we will, we will all meet up at Midgar's Bar and maybe just despise each other. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> we may all be like, "Fuck this, this no more, this motherfucker." <laughs> podcast. That would be irony to the highest degree. Oh, it would be horrible, though. It would be. Please don't. I hope that. There's no happen. way. There's no way. No way. No way. <laughs> no way. Uh, all right, we're gonna ask you a few questions from the the chat then before we. Sweet. 
we go. Uh, somebody asked where where we sourced the horns from. I saw that earlier. Um, so I use a, a company in the UK. I'm not going to say who it is because I don't want anyone else. um but yeah no so the horns we use they're a byproduct from from the meat trade um unfortunately a lot of horns get either incinerated or sent to landfill which is kind of disappointing Mm. uh, unless people like us get hold of them and do something with them um yeah it's 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 really frustrating i'm very much of the belief that if if any animal ever dies you should use all of the animal with no waste. Um, but they're just considered a, a, a waste product, really. There's very little value to them, I guess, outside of people making drinking horns or using them for some sort of craft. They don't hold any value. And then I saw somebody earlier mention, did have I ever had any kind of animal rights people question? And and occasionally, occasionally, it's it's not as often as you as you think of the most part, when you explain to people, they very much tend to be understand. They, they understand, you know, when you kind of say, look, these are, they are a waste product. They do get incinerated or go to the landfill if they're not used. It is, you know, but you, we sometimes get people who are outraged, who will comment, who know no better, like as if you kill the, the animals for these horns. And it's like, that's, you clearly really? don't understand life very well because a, a cow is an expensive animal and you're not going to kill a cow for its horns that are worth a couple of dollars. <laughs> like, like, that doesn't make sense. The, you know, these are just, they, they, it's killed for its meat and then obviously these are just... <laughs> kill, the, kill the cow for the horns. <laughs> so honestly, you, that, that is the most... That's the most common. That's the most common outrage that we get from anybody, is that. Oh, and people thinking that they're ivory as well. That was one that I had the other day. It's like, how how dare you sell like rhino horns? And I'm like, look, like what rhino horns? Yeah, I'm like, look, ivory. Like, that's, I, that's illegal. <laughs> like, firstly, it's illegal. I don't think we'd be advertising them on Facebook if it was. And secondly. <laughs> A, a rhino horn is worth $150,000 and I have fucking hundreds of these things. I'm like, do you think I'm going to be sat here on Facebook if I have that much? I'm like, of course they're not rhino horn. But I just think it's just people people who just don't know life. And no, 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 it's about life, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Sh- Shan asked, why does everything relate back to rugby? Um, I don't know. I played rugby for a long, long time, like from 16 to my late, late 20s. So it's very relatable, I guess. It's, I, yeah, it's been a lot of time doing it. I remember the question now because you're talking about rugby and I know you're an MMA fan, right? Yes. Yes. Who, who so, so, so am I. Like, I, I, I love it dearly. And I have a theory as to why we love MMA. Because I wouldn't myself, like a lot of people like football, they play football themselves, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of play, people that like basketball, they play basketball. It's like, it's not like I go into a cage and get beaten to a bloody pub or try to beat someone else to a bloody pub either, right? Mm-hmm. Why do you think it is? I have my own theory, but I'd like to know why you like, and maybe it's because of the rugby thing, or maybe it's, you, you know, because that's quite a physical, violent, you could get quite hurt. 
in that, mm-hmm. right, and so on. But why, why do you think that is? Why, why do you think there is this fascination for boxing and MMA and these sort of things? What do you think it is that, that draws us towards it? I mean, I, I, w- I do train and spar. So I, I, I would actually get, probably get in and fight. <laughs> but you would? I think, yeah. Really? What do you but train? I, I, I mainly train Muay Thai, but I've done bits of jujitsu and wrestling. But I think... Cool. I think it's because we, you know, there's that innate sense of war in us and violence that we have to bury down every single day um, and pretend doesn't exist. Certainly, I think as as men, like I think that is always there. And we, you know, we know you can't go around being violent um, and it's not acceptable. But I think it is there always on some level um so i guess watching it is another kind of expression of that and and you see it coming out in in other people who are expressing that because we all have to pretend that we're not we never get angry or never have any violent thoughts but we're all humans and i think it's it's very much it's been there throughout all human history it's just in recent times it's and rightfully so, it's become frowned upon. You know, you can't just go around having fights. But we all kind of have that inside of us, I think, to a degree. What about you? What do you think? I think it's, I think it's deeper than that. I mean, I liken it. Like, so if you've ever been on a boat, I remember once I was on a boat. I was steering the boat. And I saw a rogue ve- wave, a rogue wave coming towards me. And... I had to steer right onto that rogue wave because I could see, because I'd sailed when I was younger, I could see if I hit that if I hit that wave and it was coming quite quickly and it was one of those sneaky ones that sort of all of a sudden was there. If I didn't steer right straight on it, we were capsized. And it was a fjord. We were in the middle of the fjord. Uh, these rogue waves happened because of these cruise ships, unfortunately. All of a sudden, several waves come together to one wave so they can come quite out of nowhere, if you get what I'm talking about. But the point of it is that uh, if I didn't steer straight on it, we would capsize and we would fall over and into zero degrees water. And my daughter and everyone was there. It would be a disaster. Like, could, could have been a, t- a terrible disaster. I think that's sort of, but I remember that. And I will always remember that moment. And, and, I've, and I've, I've thought about other things, other situations I've been in extreme situations that right there between life and death, you feel extremely alive and you are 100% present with what is because you, if you aren't, consequences are dire. It's the same with MMA. You're watching people being completely in the moment because if they're not completely in the moment, 100% of the moment, the consequences are extremely dire. So I think we're sort of by proxy experiencing that in the moment thing. Like it's not, you know, with meditation, if you're sitting and you're being meditative and you can't be meditative and you lose concentration, the consequences that you might get slightly irritated or whatever, the consequence of you being not (laughs) completely in the moment in MMA is that you get to knock the fuck out, you know, like (laughs) maybe killed. You can, you can die. That's the thing. So I think it's I think it's that I think it's that feeling of between life and death, like these these grand 
emotions, these, these extreme feelings about, of, of being alive that we are experiencing by proxy at a very deep and fundamental level when we're watching something like violence. Um, and I think that's why it's so addictive. It's not just the violence. It's what's behind the violence. It's what the violence signifies. You said what I was trying to say, but better. <laughs> <laughs> just more eloquently. Matthias, what do you think? What I think, I, you know, it sounds pretty, uh, pretty reasonable <laughs> what, what Jonas is, is, uh, is saying there. Um, that's probably why I don't care to watch these kinds of things. <laughs> had a little too many of those exciting moments when I was younger. Uh, uh, <laughs> you've had your, you've had your fill. You fell into the my, my, my fill, my fill of uh, between life and death <laughs> kind of situation. <laughs> I mean, I, I was thinking of when you when you were saying that. I, I was thinking about it when uh, uh, last time I got chased by a moose. <laughs> I mean, that was a between life and death situation, right? I mean, and it, you know, you're right. Like you are, you're right there in the moment, and you have to, uh, you know, really uh, be on your toes and and calculating and focused, um, because otherwise it can go horribly wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, it's a, you know, it's exciting, right, to get in that space. It's really exciting. You're like, and you feel after, if you come out of that, okay, you feel like you're the fucking king of the world, right? You're like, holy shit, man. I just managed that situation and I'm a badass, right? Um, and, uh, and so, so I, I, I think you have, your theory is uh, very much on point in, in so many ways. Um, but it is, uh, it, 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 it is interesting. Like I, 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 I'm, I'm bored by 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 fights on TV, UFC stuff, and that kind of stuff. Like I'm just like, eh, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's not it's not for everyone. It's not it's for not. everyone. But I think I think and but I think and, and 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 you know, but I think there's many ways to experience that. You know, I just you know, if we had more time, we'd get into it. But I I've, I've many times uh, wondered about this idea that is sometimes also purported here, I would say, uh, in, in this podcast about, you know, oh, you wouldn't want to live back in the Viking age because that was so difficult. But sure, it was difficult, but we can't say whether the quality of life back then was, was any worse. I mean, you know, it, it, what's better, uh, 80 years of comfort or 20 years of extreme, amazing experiences, blah, 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 blah. You know, I would say that 20 years of fucking feeling that if, if I had, if I could just choose between 80 years where I'm just comfortable, but I don't really get to really feel alive, or 20 years of fucking feeling alive, I'd take those 20 years any day. You know? I think the, the point that the point that we usually make about that is that, you know, for 90% of the population back then, it, it would be 20 to 35 years of like shoveling shit. You know, <laughs> oh, it depends, depends. I mean, I mean, it depends. It depends entirely. It depends entirely on where you were and so on. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to say. I, I would say. I would say even that. I would say is is uh, is speculative. It depends on where you. Were. I mean, if you were if you were a, a serf in in a city for a chieftain, perhaps yeah, probably. 
But if you're living outside in some remote place in a farm, sure, you had the weather to contend with. You had all these different things. But it's really difficult for us today with our mindsets today to really know what it was like and what it really felt like. So we should, we should be careful with such statements. That's all I'm trying to say. And, and who's to say who's to say that it isn't? Like when you have the weather to contend with, when you have these great forces to contend with, you're constantly having to be present and in the moment. Perhaps your quality of life is better. Could be. It is possible at least. Mm-hmm. And the idea should be at least entertained. Oh, yeah. No, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, they... There's a lot to be said for well, what does it even mean to talk about quality of life and and is it is is there is it really you know quality life to be sitting on your couch every every evening and watching TV and uh, eating gummy bears or something like that like you know I yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't call you rather shovel so. shovel shit <laughs> <laughs> all right before before we wrap up um, I save this question until last. And Ingrid said, was this podcast meant for me uh, life-wise? Which I think is a, a deep question. I'm going to try and keep it short. Um, I mean, honestly, I think without being sounding dramatic, I think the podcast probably changed changed my life for the better all around. Because um, I think it's opened the doors to so many new interesting people. Um, met so many new friends from it, like yourself, Jonas. Um, but just, just, uh, just solely from a business perspective, I think it's opened so many doors for for Hornsbone to collaborate with such cool people. Um, and really kind of helped out with that. Helped out obviously with with people who listen to it, find the find the business. But on a, on on just a me level, I think I've learned so much from from Matthias. And I think I owe him a lot. And this is probably the nicest I'm ever going to be to him. Um, you know, because he <laughs> he donates a lot of time to this um, and doesn't necessarily get much in return. And he teaches, educates a lot of people. And I've learned so much in, in terms of this and general life-ness um, from doing the podca- podcast. Yeah, it's it's definitely changed me, I think, for, for a better and just my my outlook and the way i look at things um and i i wouldn't change the last 100 and then i think we i keep saying 107 episodes but i think we've done like 110 um yeah i wouldn't change it i i really think it's it's been a a fun experience and i i want it to continue for as long as i can convince Mateus to keep doing it did you guys hear hear that the, the, the sound of my head just like growing larger and larger and larger yeah. every <laughs> no it's, it's true though oh, no, because that was a good wrap up Daniel it's true though because I think I, th- I think we we found a like a, a storm in a teacup because we we get on so well and we're, but we're also so polarizing in that we're just complete opposites but we we match quite well in this because you know this, this podcast couldn't exist without Matthias because he's the he's the knowledgeable one. Yeah, I guess you can find any old fool who can sit here and ask questions. <laughs> but you need no, no, I you, don't think so. You need someone who I don't think so. Let me let me let me inflate your head a little bit before <laughs> we wrap this up. No, I really don't think so. I I I, I like I said, I, I really did like the format back then, and I really 
I have said I've said sometimes before this might be sort of slightly ridiculous or whatever, but but it does it does have that quality that 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 Joe the Joe Rogan podcast has because Joe Rogan is the layman and he's inviting now he's he's not sitting down with one scholar obviously but he's sitting down with all these people who know many times people who know extremely uh, who who knows such a lot about whatever field they're working in right and he's just having conversation from the point of view of the layman. And I think, and as Matthias also was alluding to before, like if it was just two scholars sitting down and talking, it, it would be ridiculous. So the fact that 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 you have that quality and you have that curiosity that you're talking about inbuilt in you to ask these questions and to not care whether the question is quote unquote foolish. I mean, the question can never be foolish if it's asked by someone who paid attention, you know, mm-hmm. and you do pay attention and you ask the questions uh, and, 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 and that, does that that does make uh, the conversations that you're having also with your guests and so on go in directions that they probably wouldn't have had had it been just a scholar asking the questions. So Daniel, uh, thank you oh, for you. starting this uh, starting this podcast uh, with Matthias. And before this gets too sort of misty and moisty and chummy, let's wrap this up, shall we? Let's, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap yeah, it up. Let's, let's, let's wrap it up. <laughs> and, and now, we're, now we're just like descending to, to circular ass kissing here. So, yeah, no, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah now we got to stop. We got to stop. All right. Uh, if, yeah, if, if you enjoy the, the show, leave us a five star rating, positive review. If you want to check out my company, if you haven't already, it's just Hornsvoden, com. Same on Instagram. Um, Matthias. And go give us a follow on Patreon. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Yeah, well, um, you can, of course, always find me on Instagram uh, by my name. And you should definitely go and sign up for our Patreon because you'll get some bonus episodes. You'll mm-hmm. get Q&As with me. You'll get uh, story time with... Uh, both me and Daniel and Jonas, and uh, you will have a lot of fun exploring uh, a lot of like random behind the scenes stuff as well uh, <laughs> that happens on Patreon. And, 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 and is the lowest tier is only the price of buying either me or Daniel a cup of coffee. Um, or exactly. in some cases, Jonas, I guess. Um, once a month. No, in in Norway you can't get a fucking cup of coffee for five dollars. That's right. <laughs> crazy. No, if you if you enjoy hearing us three kind of just hang out, we do one of the bonus episodes is story time episode where it is pretty much very similar to this episode. Apart from Jonas will read through um one of the sagas and we just shoot the shit, I guess, and then talk and discuss the sagas, discuss what they they mean. Maybe get a little bit off topic and talk about living between trams now, <laughs> which is one of the topics. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> um, if you want to know, I live here now. You want to know more that about that sign? Yeah, that was good. <laughs> but yeah, so we there is a bunch of content on there that you, you get, um, and it's, it's certainly worth it. Yeah, we we love joy. I love making the podcast, and hopefully, we can carry it on. Uh, yeah, let's get out of here because we need to do the, the story time episode. So long. Mm-hmm.